when the spirit is moving, we can worship all night, right? Yeah. I love worship moments like this. Thank you to Eugene and the band and just preparing. And um, and I've got such an expectation to share with you the word tonight. Uh, welcome to each of you. If you're visiting us tonight, welcome. It's great to be with you. My name is Rudo and I'm one of the pastors and I get to share the word with you tonight. And um, I'm just so thankful to be part of this family. Uh, we celebrated our 15th birthday on uh, Friday evening. We were there at the birthday. Who's thankful that I rather preach the word and not sing? Okay. Um, so uh, it's great to, to, to be able to share with you the word tonight. And, um, and my topic tonight is, is, is grace. And I hope that you have picked up the theme of grace. You know, uh, even when we've started praying tonight before the service and, um, and through the worship and just experiencing uh, our people turn back to God, you know, that's just grace that can save us. And so my topic tonight is grace upon grace. Uh, and we're going to look at this gracious uh, uh, character of God, uh, his gracious nature. And, and hopefully he will speak to each one of us um, and into our hearts. And may this word also bless you tonight before I do. Um, have you ever heard this term grace upon grace? Uh, in Afrikaans, genade op genade. And I first then ex experienced it when I was about, um, I, I think I was in grade, grade uh, 10 maybe, so 15. And it was just at the start of my golf career where, where I was practicing my chipping in the backyard. And so I would lay a little uh, circle with a hose pipe. We were in a, we, I grew up in, a, in one of the, in, in the free state and the mining houses had big backyards and so there was many a lot of space to, to chip right and um and so i was this one day i was i was i was practicing my chipping and for the golfers yeah you know if the if you i don't know what that saying is in english but it's sort of you hit the ball at at the wrong angle and it just goes very hard very straight and it shouldn't do that right so the shot was wrong. And, um, and so it went straight all the way against the precon there at the back. And then it ricocheted into one of the, uh, the old mining houses at these big windows. And it shattered the biggest one. And so I knew, I just knew, this is it. Today, I'm meeting my savior. And so my mother was like, this is so, she was so angry. And, um, and the first miracle was that my mother said, she's not going to give me a hiding because I thought she was going to lay it down. Um, she said, she's not going to give me a hiding. She's going to wait for my father. And so he's going to do the hiding. And so I was like, yes, that's the first, that's the first miracle is that, is that my mother was not going to give me a hiding. All right. So, but but now I'm waiting for my father to come back home. And so when my father came back home and, he, and I told him the story, I, I told him, I, it, it, it was the wrong angle, the shot. And so golf was me and my dad's. We did it together. And so he understood, guys. He understood. And so there was grace and he didn't give me a hiding. And so my mother couldn't then just go above his head. And so there was grace upon grace. Uh, 
How's that? Thank you. Genade op genade. Well, to understand God's gracious nature, to understand the grace that God gives us upon grace, we have to understand also our sinful nature. We have to understand our sinful condition, how sinful and lost we are. Even though that you know God, there's something that we call everyday grace because we need God's grace every day in our lives. But to understand the extent of God's grace, we have to understand our own sinful condition. And so we're going to spend some time tonight in Genesis 19. And so you're welcome to open up your Bibles in in Genesis 19 if you've brought your your Bibles with you. Um, And you can take out your highlighter and you can highlight all over the place. We're going to highlight some verses and make sure that we understand what God did in this moment. But to set the scene... To set the scene and to help you understand where we are going to pick up the story in Genesis 19 in when, when we are going down to a little place called Sodom is in Genesis 18 verse 20, God came to visit Abram and he shared with him the news that he will have a son um, and they almost thought it was a joke but it wasn't and then a year later they did have a son Isaac. And so while God was visiting Abram to tell him and give him this news, he also shared with him almost reluctantly because he knew uh, um, Abram was going to start negotiating, which happened. You can go and read towards the end of of, uh, Genesis 18. But the Lord said to Abram, he said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sins so grievous that I will go down and see um, if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. And so God had to intervene. So we pick up the story where God is sending down two angels to go and see what's happening here in Sodom and possibly also destroy Sodom because of their sin. Right, so Genesis Genesis 19 verse 1, it says, The two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, bowed himself with his face to the earth, and said, My lords, please turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go on your way, they said. But they said, No, we will spend the night in the town square. But Lot, he pressed them strongly. So they turned aside to him and entered his house. And he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread. And they ate. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house. And they called to Lot, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them. Bring them out that we may know them. Verse 6. Lot went out to the men at the entrance, shut the door after him and said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you and you can do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. But they said, stand back. And they said, 
this fellow came to Sojourn and he wants to become the judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. Then they pressed hard against the man law and drew near to break the door down. But the men reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck the blindness, they struck with blindness the men who, who were at the entrance of the house, both small and great, so that they wore themselves out groping for the door. Let's pause there for now and we'll continue a little bit later. We must realize the magnitude, I wanna, I'm going to say this again, the magnitude of Sodom's sin to fully comprehend the extent of God's grace. To understand how gracious God is, we have to see how sinful Sodom was. And so I want to show you uh, just a map where Sodom almost was. You'll see there, there's the big map of, of Israel and there's the Dead Sea right there in the middle. And it looks almost like a little piece of land goes into the sea, almost like a little arrow. Um, and it zoomed in here as well. That is where Sodom almost was. That piece of land doesn't even exist today anymore because God completely wiped it out. So let's zoom into some of these verses to understand just the magnitude of Sodom's sin. You can write this down. The magnitude of Sodom's sin. In verse 1 it says, Lot was sitting at the gate. Now, leaders sat at the gate. Judges sat at the gate. The the the, the leaders of the community gate. And so it's almost in a way assumed that Lot had authority. Lot was a leader of the community. Lot was a judge in the community. But if you read the story, you wonder, was he? Was he really? But that's the reason why he was sitting at the gate. And he saw the angels. He rose. He met them. And he even bowed down with his face to the ground. And you think by yourself, wow, this guy is loyal. He's godly. He is the bomb. He just do all the right stuff, right? He seems so godly and pure. But as you continue reading the story, you pick up there's something off, right? Did you pick it up? Something is off. Do I have to change... My right, just want to put it here in this. So, if you read, if we continue reading and we go to verse 2 and 3, it says that the angels came into the town and, and Lot said, Well, come to my house. And they said, No, we'll sleep, on the, we'll sleep on the street. We'll sleep in the town square. And it's almost like Lot pressed them hard. Like, he said, No, you can't sleep. You can't sleep in the town square. You can't sleep outside. You have to come to my house. And, and the plain reason for that is he knew that it was unsafe. He knew that something was going to happen. He knew that the men of the town was going to come and do something. And so he didn't just want these men to just sleep outside because their sinful nature was going to be exposed. And was it? Yes, it was. But Lot almost wanted to, to hide them. So he said, no, come to my house. Verse 4, and, and so I want you, if you highlight this part, verse 4, it says, the writer of this, of this book makes a point to tell us that all the men 
went to Lot's house. Young and old, all the men, everyone, none excluded. And there's a, there's a reason for that. Because when we go back to the previous chapter, there was a moment where God said, well, I'm going to send these men to, to Sodom to see what's going on. And then Abram started to negotiate with God. Well, Lord, you can't wipe the city. You can't destroy the city if there's wicked and righteous people. And so what if there's 50 righteous people? And God says, well, if there's 50, I'll save it. And, and so Abram continued. He said, well, what if, there's, what if there's 40? And God says, if there's 40, I'll save Sodom. He says, well, what if there's 30? What if there's 20? And he even goes down to 10. He said, Lord, allow me to speak. What if there's, what if there's 10? And God said, if there's 10, I'll save Sodom. And so God made a point. The writer made, made a point in this moment to say, there was not even 10. There was not even five. But Abraham interceded for Lot. And that's why the angels saved Lot, we'll see in a moment. But the emphasis lies in all the people to the last man, young and old, was outside. And in verse 5, it said, they said, bring them out that we may know them. Bring them out that we may know them. Some translations say that we may have sex with them. And so we know that they wanted to rape these men. They wanted to humiliate these men in front of everyone and sexually abuse them. And so their, their sin is exposed in such a vulgar and filthy way. And then Lot comes in verse 7 and he says, don't be wicked. He goes out, close the door, he's like, don't wicked now. Why don't you take my daughters, abuse them, and leave these men. Almost in a way he wants to cover up. Like just leave them. Take my daughters. Now. I'm messed up. Does your moral compass have to be. To give up your own. Virgin daughters. To be sexually abused. By a whole town. And so Sodom's sin and their filthiness and their vulgarness is almost in contrast with, with, with Lot's hypocrisy. Just how hypocritical he was in that moment. Like he just, he just want to want to make sure that the picture looks all right to the visitors, right? His behavior was surprisingly matched by his hypocrisy and everyone could see right through it. And so, if we consider for a moment verse 20 that says, God says Sodom's, chapter 18, Sodom's sin grieved, was almost grievous. And so, their sin and the reason why God wanted to destroy Sodom is like a point that's been debated for many, for many decades among scholars. Because some say, you know, it was only the, the homosexuality that was going on. But surely God will not just destroy a whole city because of one sin. And so the more accurate approach is that their sin 
lies throughout all the narrative of the Bible. Most of the prophets pointed to the sin of Sodom. And so their, their sin almost formed a picture. If you read the Bible and you see Jesus spoke about Sodom, the prophets spoke about Sodom. And so if we consider their sin, it wasn't just one thing. It was a holistic picture of a bunch of things. Jeremiah 23 says there was adultery. There was lies. There was, they were facilitating evil. Isaiah 1 says religious hypocrisy. Ezekiel 16 speaks that they, they were prideful. There was gluttony, selfish to the poor, arrogance. There was all sorts of horrors and they were disgraceful people. And there's an ancient poem that sums up, that sums up Sodom and the just their condition in this way. It says, a city full of crimes. A place where thieves, smugglers, and dishonest merchants thrive. You've excelled in doing wrong, leading people to desire wickedness, causing the young to chase empty things. You've killed for gold and destroyed for silver, ruined destinies for money, hiring prostitutes for a simple meal. Many have turned to pleasure and ignore God's guidance, embracing sin with joy. So for a moment, I just want you to close your eyes. And I'm going to read this poem again. And imagine it was being written over Pretoria. Pretoria, a city full of crimes. A place where thieves, smugglers, and dishonest merchants thrive. You've excelled in doing wrong leading people to desire wickedness, causing the young to chase empty things. You've killed for gold, destroyed for silver, ruined destinies for money, hiring prostitutes for a simple meal. Many have turned to pleasure and ignore God's guidance, embracing sin with joy. And the question in this moment is, what is your part to this? Do you still go back? those places and those moments where you shouldn't and there's a little small part of Sodom inside of each one of us that exposes the magnitude of our sinful nature this picture reveals the magnitude of Sodom's sin and so when we get to verse 12 the angel the angel just dragged Lot inside because the men were start wanting to get inside the house. And they said, they said to Lot, is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? Because in verse 13, he says, the Lord sent us to destroy the city, to destroy Sodom. So is there anyone else? Sons, sons-in-laws, daughters, anyone else? And so Lot went out again and, and he wanted to call his soon-to-be sons-in-laws. And he says, come, come, we... The city is going to be destroyed. God is going to destroy the city. Come, we have to go now, the angels even told them. And go and read it. And the men thought Lot was joking. Being a leader in the community. They thought he was joking. And no one responded to his call. And so what was it then? What was it then? And so let's continue to read from verse 15. God even had grace 
God's grace was exposed that he didn't even ruin the city that night. But the very next morning, we continue. As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife, your two daughters, who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he lingered. Highlight that, chapter, verse, verse 16. But Lot lingered. So the men seized him and his, and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and sent him outside the city. And as they brought them out, one said, Escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. And listen to Lot, verse 18, he says, And Lot said to them, Oh no, my lords, behold, your servant has found favor in your sight. And you have shown great kindness in saving my life. I cannot escape through the hills, lest a disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, this city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Let me escape there, is it not a little one, and my life will be saved? And he said to him, Behold, the angel said, Behold, I grant you this favor also, that I will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken, Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing till you arrive there. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. Grace upon grace. Did you pick that up? God saved him twice. God had grace upon grace with Lot and his family. And so the the extent of God's grace is exposed in this moment. And so let's highlight some of these verses. Verse 15, the angels urged Lot. In the midst of all the chaos of what they are seeing and, they, and what they came to see was, is Sodom as bad as the outcry? And it was. And so in the midst of all the chaos, all the people outside, Everything, the hypocrisy, the sin, God still shows grace to Lot and anyone else. Is there anyone else? God is gracious even in the chaos. And then verse 16, such an interesting verse. But he lingered. It's almost like he contemplating. While the city is going to be destroyed. On a, almost considering being destroyed also. Or should I just, you know, escape and receive God's grace? And isn't that what we do, friend? We linger. We plan our sin. We love our sin so much. He lingered for a moment. Said, mm, shall I really? Should we really escape? Is God really going to destroy? Is, is sin really so destructive? And in that moment, Lord's heart was in Sodom. That his heart was exposed. And he, he liked the good life, the, the life of the society, of the filthiness, of the vulgar so much that he was, he was halting for a moment. And, and this scene will be like a reminder, it's almost like a reminder into eternity for Israel that Lot lingered, Lot halted, that he, that he had to be dragged to safety. And the lesson from this is that 
we should not love the world more than we love God. And isn't that the story throughout the Old Testament? Isn't that the story throughout the whole Bible we say, where God said, I don't want you to raise up idols. I want to love you. I don't want you to follow the world and worldly passions. And since I am the one that, that needs to be worshipped, I want to be worshipped. I want your heart. This is the story. And it's exposed in this moment through Lot that was lingering for just a moment. Verse 16 then says, the angels took them by the hand and said, we, you will not be destroyed. And there's a reason for that. And they dragged them to safety because sin will destroy your life. Sin will. That alcohol will destroy your life. That sexual sins will destroy your life. That drugs will destroy your life. And so God took them by the hand and he dragged them to safety and, he, and they got something that they do not deserve and that is grace. Grace is receiving something we do not deserve every single day. Every single day. And that is what God does, friends. He saves us. Verse 19 then also uh, Lot says, he says, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your kindness. But, but I, cannot, I cannot go to the hills. Can you go me? He's seeing me to this little town and, and God says even yes for that. And so there's God had grace. He saved them. And he sent him to a little town upon grace. And so where is the gospel? Where is the gospel in this story? If we go a, a few verses down to verse 29. It says, So God destroyed the cities of the plain. God did destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. You can go and read the whole story. But then it says, He remembered Abram, and he brought Lot out of the destruction and overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. God remembered the conversation he had with Abram. God remembered the the mediation that was going on. Abram being the mediator, and because of that, Lot was saved. Doesn't it sound familiar to you? Titus 2 verse 5 says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. God saved us of Jesus because of because Jesus gave his life and because of Jesus being the mediator we receive grace upon grace every day friends everyday grace and that is exactly what sanctification lordship is it is God saving us every day from the things from the small little sodoms in our lives like no that God that is a big sin like he needs God's grace. Now, all of us need God's grace. And we have access to God's grace every day. Because, friends, our sin is so great. But God's grace, His gracious character is so much greater. So how does this message, how does this word apply to you and me? 
and Titus 2 verse 12, it says, It is this grace that instructs us to give up ungodly living and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this world. You know the ungodly things in your life. You know the worldly passions that sometimes trick you. And it is only through humility that we can receive God's grace because God opposes the proud. And he calls us to live holy, upright, and self-controlled lives. I want to end with this story. In September 2019, there was a young man called Nicholas Nino. He was convicted to life in prison after a rape incident that happened at a dross right down the street here in Silverton. Seven-year-old girl that he raped. And you know, um, if you followed the story maybe back in 2018 or 19 when he was convicted, you'll, you'll remember that people called him a monster, pedophile, um, a druggie, a rapist. And I'm not saying that he does not deserve everything that he got and that he isn't that because what he did was vulgar and it was filthy. But I listened to his testimony. My heart went out to that guy. Because he's not a, his nature is not a rapist. He had a bad moment. If you listen to his story, his mother was a drug addict while she was pregnant with him at 16. He had no father. He used Dacha at the age of 12 and he was, he was already um, addicted to nicotine and cigarettes and alcohol and drugs at the age of 10. He started using chemical drugs at, at the age of 13 and he was then already addicted. He had no hope left. And if you listen to his testimony, he said he was so desperate that day. He was so desperate just to talk to someone, to speak to someone. He was looking for hope, friend. He was looking for grace. And he went as far as to say the first person that comes through the doors of that dross that day, he will speak to. And he did. Unfortunately, that person did not know Jesus. Did not point him to Jesus. Did not point him to grace. And from there it went from bad to worse. And the, and the rest is history. But do you think Nicholas Nino deserved grace? Of doing that? None of us deserve grace. Any of us. We were only saved through grace. And when we need God's saving grace every day, we need God's saving grace. No turning back. We can sing this song, Amazing Grace. No turning back. No looking back. The angel said, don't look back. And Lot's wife looked back and so she was destroyed. And that is exactly what sin does. Sin destroys. No turning back. Do you believe that or not? We have the opportunity that on this way that we can also point people to this grace. What if it was you or me that walked into the dross that day? I'm not saying that the, that the outcome would have been different. 
but maybe there was a point where we can just point someone to Jesus because he is the mediator between God for us to receive grace on a daily basis, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. So let's close our eyes. I want to pray for us. Well, thank you that tonight, thank you that tonight you are the king. Thank you that you are, you are the Lord of lords and that throughout the generations, Lord, you have been saving. You have been creating the platforms, Lord, to be saved. You even went as far as to send your own son to, be, to die on a cross so that we may receive life and life in abundance only through your grace. And tonight, Lord, I know that there's people sitting here, Lord, that, that has struggles, that's got certain places where they just don't experience the breakthrough that they're trusting you for. And tonight, Lord, we ask that your amazing grace will come and say, I want you just for a moment to sit and close your eyes and just experience God's grace. Just consider your life for a moment. No turning back. Praise the Lord. No turning back. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Consider God's grace for a moment. 